Praise the Lord. Amen. I don't know if I can take any more of that. I was just sitting here thinking, Stacy, uh, Donnie can go on to St. Louis, but you and Landon are going to stay here. Amen. <laughs> you just have to suck it up and take it. Amen. Turn, if you would, to the ninth chapter of the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 9, and we'll begin reading in verse 9. I appreciate all of those of you who sacrificed to uh, make sure our young people were taken care of this weekend at D-Now, some 200 kids there. I know we've had four or five professions of faith, and we praise the Lord for that. And uh, thank you for your, uh, your uh, cooperation, and if you want to know the music, what it was like, if you'll see Charlie Johnson afterward, he's got it on his mind what every song is. Uh, amen. Is he in here? Where are you at, Charlie? There he is right there. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 9. Would you stand with me, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. The, the Bible says, and as Jesus passed forth from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he said unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with, with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, That they may be whole, they that may be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. And I want to major on this Verse 13, but go ye and learn what thou meanest. I'll have mercy and not sacrifice. For I'm not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Father, thank you today how we've been blessed. Would you continue to let your Holy Spirit do his work and ministry in this place? Have your way and your will in every life that's here. Lord, I know there are those in this place today. What they need more than anything else is a touch from you. And I pray today would be their day of salvation. Lord, whatever the needs are, meet those. We'll rejoice. We'll praise you. Thank you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The prophets had foretold about the Messiah coming. Uh, the people of Israel were frustrated. They were discouraged. And they said, when the Messiah comes, there's going to be healing, there's going to be hope, there's going to be uh, the kingdom of heaven. And that's exactly what's happened. Jesus is walking on the face of the earth, and he, he brings healing in his hands. When you come to Jesus uh, and his hands touch you, there's healing. My soul, thank you, Lord, for doctors and hospitals and mercy, but Lord, there's a time when ain't nobody can do it except you. The great physician, Jesus, brings that. He not only brings healing, but he brings hope with his lips. People who are discouraged and lonely and downhearted, when Jesus speaks, suddenly they've got hope. Not only does he bring healing and hope, but he also ushers in the kingdom of heaven. Those of us here this morning who know the Lord Jesus Christ know that there's a whole lot more than what we're going through right here on this earth. 
There's coming a day, he said, my father has prepared a mansion for us. And he said, I'm going to to be there. And if I go, I'll come again and I'll receive you unto myself. And the kingdom of heaven is prophesied here. There's so much more to life than what's on this earth. And he comes to Matthew or Levi in some uh, uh, apostles uh, and says, follow me. He says the same thing to us today. Follow him. Come to me. Now, he had just healed a man and uh, in the first part of chapter 9. And uh, the Pharisees were there, and they said, man, this guy's blasphemous. Uh, and Jesus says, look, which one would it be easier to do, to say thy sins be forgiven thee or to say rise up and walk? And they kind of look at him. You see, anybody, I can say your sins be forgiven you. You don't know whether they're forgiven or not. It's all based on my word. But bless God, when you're sitting there and you can't walk, and somebody says you rise up and walk in the name of Jesus, and you rise up and walk, it'll stir the crowd up. And that's what's happened here. Uh, This man, they they say he's traveling with ignorant, unlearned men. Uh, He's got some fishermen, James and John and Peter and Andrew. And bless God, it's enough to have to put up with a guy with a bunch of ignorant fishermen. But now he turns and he's going to deal with sinners. And he's calling the, 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 the publicans, no less. He fools with sinners. Now, you know you're a Pharisee. The Bible says they, they were know-it-all people. Some of you can say amen or you can say oh me. The Pharisees looked down on others. Uh, they were intellectuals. They were smart. They adhered to the word of God and, and they had all of it in rituals and they were trained. And everybody that wasn't like them, a good new word I've learned is they dissed them. <laughs> we don't have nothing to do with y'all. Amen? They dissed them. That's a Pharisee. I, have no, I hope that's not a bad word. <laughs> is it not? I hope not. Oh, Lord, if it is, maybe we cut that tape off. Uh, but Jesus, after, after saying all of these ignorant men, and now you're dealing with publicans, and, and Jesus says to them, hey, those of you who are whole don't need a physician, but the ones who are sick need the physician. Now you go and learn what that means. You go and learn what that means. He's not talking to the lame man. He's not talking to the disciples. He's talking to the Pharisees. He said, you go learn what that means. Now, it refers back, and they knew that. It refers back to Hosea chapter 6. And uh, uh, this is what the Word of God says in Hosea chapter 6, verse 4. O Ephraim, what shall I do unto thee, O Judah? What shall I do unto thee? For your goodness is as a morning cloud. You know what he's saying there? You, You can't do good. It doesn't last. You try to do good, but by dinner time, it's already gone. It's like a morning cloud. And then he goes on to say, Therefore I've hold them by the prophets, I've slain them by the words of my mouth, and thy judgments are as the light that goeth forth. Now listen, for I desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. You know what he's saying here? He's saying, you folk, 
You, you, you bring me your offerings. You bring me your sacrifices. You bring me all your jewelries. You bring me your nice valuables. I want to tell you, I don't need them. I don't only not need them, God says, I don't want them. That's not what I want. I want mercy. I want you to get to know me so that you can show mercy the same way I show mercy. That's what he's saying here this morning. Go learn what it means. Now, I'll be honest with you this morning. I know I'm preaching to a vast majority of people who know how to study the Word of God. Some of y'all far excel in studying the Word of God. I know this morning I'm talking to people who know how to pray. You know how to get a hold of God. I'm talking to people who know how to fellowship. You know that being a Baptist, you've got to be saved and on a 9 by 13 casserole dish. You know how to fellowship, amen? You know all about it. I know I'm talking to people who know how to tithe. I'm talking to people who know how to enjoy Christians around them. I'm talking to people who know how to take their talents that God has given them and use them for the glory of God. I'm talking to young people this morning that you know you need to stay pure and you've made a commitment to stay pure until that day of marriage. I'm talking to husbands this morning who know that you need to love your wives and love your wife. I'm talking to wives this morning that know you need to submit to your husband. I'm talking to a church this morning that knows that when we leave this place, we're going to a better place. To be absent in this body is to to be present with the Lord. I know what, the, the, I, and I'm talking to a group who knows what the Bible teaches about mercy, but listen to me this morning. I'm talking about myself, and I think some of y'all are in the same boat. I'm afraid I'm preaching to a large group today that don't know what it means to show mercy to people. Now, you know what mercy is, and you know what the Word of God says about mercy, but I'm afraid there's a whole lot of us in this building today that don't know how to have mercy on sinners. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Matthew gives his personal testimony here in chapter 9. Imagine him sitting there, and he's writing all of the experiences that happened from Matthew 1 all the way through Matthew chapter 8. Now he comes to his own personal testimony. This man was bitterly opposed he was talked about, gossiped about, hated, not just by a few. Brother, he was hated by everybody. Everybody hated tax collectors. Uh, he had become wealthy by extortion. He uh, was immoral. He was unjust. He was money hungry. He was worldly minded. He cared more for possessions and wealth than he did for people. Through the years, he had become unloving and hard and difficult and bitter What's so heartwarming to me and touching here is that he shares his own personal conversion in one simple verse. Now, that's contrary to what we see today. Hollywood and the sports people, in fact, sometimes, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I, I was a drug dealer and I, I had sex every night and I, I was just, but I, I gave all that up for Jesus, my soul. Listen to me. Don't major on what the sin you were in. He comes to give his testimony, and he does it in one simple sentence. Jesus came by and said, follow me. And he got up and followed him. He doesn't talk about himself. He doesn't talk about the details of his sin. He lifts up Jesus and the glorious salvation that Jesus came to give. Now, let me give you three things, and we're through. 
Number one, every sinner has got to be saved. Every sinner has got to be saved. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's not a one of you in this building today who qualify to exempt yourself from the plan of salvation and go on to heaven outside of it. People are in darkness. They're all around us in darkness. If thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. And then John 1, 5, the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. I've told you that illustration before, but I tell you it's a true story when we'd go down to the barn when we wouldn't do what we are supposed to do and Daddy made us go down there after dark and there was only one light in that whole big barn and it was a, a hang down thing where you pulled a string in the middle of the barn and you could walk in there and things would be quiet but the moment you pull that string, critters run from all directions. <laughs> Listen to me. They wasn't scared of me. They were scared of the light. And folk who are living in darkness, they're not scared of you. They're not scared of us. They're scared of the light that we bring into the room. People are living in darkness all around us. Then people not only in darkness, they're sitting in darkness because they're comfortable in darkness. We get comfortable in our sin and we just accept it. And uh, we're pleased with our lives the scripture says, men love darkness rather than light. I've quoted that to Brother Aaron a hundred times and, and Kyle up here in, in that because, you know, and I'm, I'm just joking with them. I really am just joking. But they dim these lights. You know, I looked at D now and everything was dark and black, you know, except all these red, blue, green, all that. The Bible says men love darkness because their deeds are evil. Amen. That's why when I stand up and preach, I want every light there is on in this place. Uh, amen. <laughs> Praise God. Hey, we got a crew or what? <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Uh, wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Men are sitting in darkness. Men are in darkness. And they're sitting in the region and the shadow of death. You say, now, preacher, what do you mean the shadow of death? I mean, it's good that they're in the shadow of death because that means they're not dead yet. If they're in the shadow of death, there's still an opportunity for them to be saved. So men all around us, yeah, they're in darkness, but they're sitting in the shadow of death. They're not dead yet. They, they, they can be, they will be one day, but what does that tell us? When, when he goes to Matthew and he walks up to that table, that receipt of tax table there, and he said, follow me, I'll tell you what that means for us. Ever low down, hated, bitter, non-religious, unjust, dissatisfied, lonely, traitor, thief, immoral, without purpose or meaning, they've got an opportunity to be saved. If Jesus will save Matthew, he'll save you. And so I think Matthew had heard about Jesus. Now, you can't prove, I can't prove that he did, and you can't prove that he didn't. So I'm the preacher, so I'm going to tell you, he heard about Jesus. He's sitting there. Can you just see him at that tax table? And this old boy comes up, and old Matthew kind of 
looks up at him. Them glasses, you know, the tax collectors had glasses down like that. Watch people that do that. <laughs> and he looks up. He said, oh, wait a minute. You were here before, and somebody had to bring you because you couldn't come on your own. You were here before, and somebody had to interpret for you because you were deaf, and you couldn't speak. And now you're standing in front of me, talking to me? What happened? I mean, that old boy, I don't know whether he had a spell or not. But I think the bottom line is when Jesus passes by, all things change. And I think he probably shared with him that the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I know there are people today who are trying to get us to go with easy believism, just slide down the aisles, sign a card, pray a little prayer. And, you know, you can live the way you're living, but just, you know, come on and be saved. Uh, that's not what the Bible teaches. I want to tell you what happens. When Jesus passes by, you'll drop your sin. You'll drop your habits. You'll drop your friends. You'll drop your guilt. You'll drop your past. Oh, what a difference when Jesus passes by. I want to tell you, every person needs to be saved. But not only does every sinner need to be saved, every sinner, I see from here, needs a friend to tell him about Jesus. Everybody needs a friend to tell him about Jesus. Christ went to people in needy lands, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. The Son of Man, Luke 19.10, has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He went to people in needy lands. He took people in darkness, and he showed them the light. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, John 1.4. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Romans 13, 12. Jesus told men how to come out of darkness and showed them coming into light. Jesus also took people in death and he gave them light. Matthew follows Jesus. Now let me tell you the first thing you want to do when you really get saved is you want to tell your friends about Jesus. Amen? You want to tell them what happened. Now some of you have been saved so long you've forgotten what that was like. But old Matthew gets saved, so he said, tell you what, Lord, we're going to have a supper over at the house tonight. I'm going to invite my friends. I want you to come over and give your testimony. Now, Matthew is a wealthy man. He got a big house. But let me tell you, Matthew's friends are just as crooked and hated as he is. Huh? I mean, when you get saved, the people around you they're like you. And so he invites them over and they have a fellowship tonight, a great feast, Luke calls it. And uh, uh, the apostles, they're setting the example for witnessing here. Uh, a new convert ought not to boast in his past. But I want to tell you, that's usually not the case. 
Many times we emphasize our past more. He's not doing that here. He lifts up Jesus. They come in there, and, and they got some real problems with the Pharisees. We'll deal with it in just a moment. But here all these people are here. Now let me give you a couple of things here that you're not going to like. You say, I already don't like it. They didn't like it either. They didn't like it either. But you have to get over it because it's true. I note here that Jesus went where the sinners were. He didn't avoid them. He didn't try to shy away from them. He sought them out. Hmm. You'd find Jesus down at the Jesus Burger. You'd find Jesus over at Highway 80. You'd find Jesus over at Newgate. You'd find Jesus wherever sinners were. Now, let me give you the second thing. <laughs> sinners felt comfortable coming to Jesus. Hmm. They didn't shy away from Jesus. They didn't feel unwelcome. Do sinners feel comfortable coming to you? Who? when I asked myself that question, oh, it wasn't the answer I wanted. I'm a preacher. I stand on the Word of God. And I want to tell you, if you're going to be saved, you need to clean up your act and you need to live for the glory of God. Well, ain't no sinner going to come around somebody like that. Huh? So how did the sinners feel comfortable coming to Jesus? Because Jesus understood he hated the sin, but he loved the sinner. I know that's a cliche, but I'm telling you, Sometimes if we're not careful, we end up hating the sinner as much as we do the sin. They felt comfortable. And then thirdly, Jesus had meals with sinners. Immoral people, religionists, rejected, avoided. He had meals with them. I know uh, some of y'all practice that deal. I've never been fortunate enough to get behind you, but you pay it ahead, they say. You say you do. I ain't never had it, but it's all right. But, but, but let me tell you, what, what would it be like if you left here at church today and you went out on Highway 80 and found somebody that probably is hungry? You said, come go with me. We're going down here to the wherever, and I'm going to buy you lunch. And you sat and you fellowshiped and you told them about Jesus. Hmm. The whole purpose of this feast was for Jesus to bear witness. And, folk, we ought to be bearing witness. There's a uh, brother Hatfield. I'm not sure if it's his uh, brother-in-law or whoever, but who, who, who is that, Brother Bill, that wrote that track there? Gil's nephew. I want to tell you, I got some of these, and we'll get some more. You say, preacher, I can't, I can't, I can't talk to people about that. I just, I looked through this track. You're talking about nice and beautiful and easy. Anybody could walk up to somebody and say, could, could I give you a gift? Would you read this when you've got time? That's all you got to do. Share your witness with somebody. Hey, folk are living in darkness. And the only way they're going to get out of darkness is to come to Jesus Christ. That's it. There's two wonderful things that happened since Jesus has come. Number one, light's not present. You don't have to leave here today seeking the light because the light's here. Jesus is here. 
If you're saved, you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. You are the light. He's your light. But the second thing is, it's a choice. You can choose light. You don't have to stay in darkness. So you can choose light. Listen, I, I'm glad you read your Bible this week. I'm glad you read your Sunday school lesson this week. I, I'm so thankful you came this morning. I'm thankful that you put your tithe in. Hopefully you did in the plate when it was passed earlier. But don't let the things we do supersede the Lord we serve. Because you say, preacher, how do I know if I'm a Pharisee? I jotted down a couple of things. If you've ever walked in a building and thought, why are they here? You're perfect well a Pharisee. Amen? If you've ever been upset because somebody sat in your seat, you're pretty well a Pharisee. Huh? If you... I tell you one thing, I don't. I like Woodland Hills. I like the preaching. I like the. But I tell you one thing, I don't like all that handshaking. That's beneath me. We got some stations out there where you can wash your hands. Fellowship, shake hands with somebody. I right, we got a guy. Well, I better hush. Uh, if you don't want to shake hands, bump knuckles or or raise one eyebrow higher than the other or do something. Have you ever thought to yourself, all of these stinking, rotten little kids everywhere all over the place? If you have, you're probably a Pharisee. You say, I don't like the way that sounds. They didn't either. But it didn't change the truth. The truth is this morning, if you've been saved from drugs, you ought to have a burden on your heart to see people saved from drugs. If you've been saved and you were in a broken home, it ought to be a burden on your heart to, to be with those and to lead those who've been in broken homes to come to Jesus. Mm. If you've met Jesus, you ought to introduce your friends to him. Every sinner needs to be saved. Every sinner needs a friend to tell him about Jesus. And then every sinner needs a Savior. Mm. Every sinner needs a Savior. I don't want to get ahead of myself. <laughs> Christ came and did two things, and he's expecting us to do the same. The first thing is Christ preached repentance. He said, repent, repent. Repentance is a change. It's a change in one's mind to turn away from sin and turn toward God. But he not only really repentance involves two turns. If you say yes to Jesus, you're saying no to the world and the things of the devil. If you say no to Jesus, you're saying yes to the things of the world. So it's a two-pronged uh, uh, repentance there. It's more than sorrow. Luke 13, 3, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Acts 3, repent ye therefore and be converted. Your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Uh, he preached repentance and he preached the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now there's some challenging thoughts when you look at this and what our Lord did. Number one, we ought to be obsessed with the mission of the Lord. 
If the Lord came to preach, repent, and the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that ought to be on our plate. That ought to be our desire as a church to tell others about Jesus. The ministry of believers is the same as that of Christ. And then the message is the same. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All these other subjects are important, but the primary purpose of our message is repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then I note that we've been given the highest privilege in all of this world, and that is to come alongside Jesus and participate in his ministry. <laughs> what a privilege. What a privilege. Jesus says here, you want to know why I'm here? Because I'm a doctor and they're sick. Folk who are not sick, they don't need a doctor. Listen, as a church, as we go into 2020 and beyond, we got to get it out of our head that Jesus only wants to fool with people that have it all together. We're the ones who want to do that. I'll never forget Becky and I, first church we were pastoring 17, 18 people there on a normal Sunday. People all over town say, we're coming Sunday. We're coming Sunday. We're coming Sunday. They never come. We finally decided, made a covenant that we wouldn't believe nobody until we saw the whites of their eyes. And then somebody would drive up in a nice car and we'd say, whoo, hope to God they're going to join today. <laughs> That's human nature. Jesus wants to deal with all people. Only sick people need a doctor. You see, they're, they're sick and they don't know it. Matthew was well, but he remembered when he was sick. Now, you didn't hear that. I said, Matthew is well now, but he remembers when he was sick. See, you're well this morning. You, it is well with my You've trusted in Jesus and you've got the light, but you need to remember when you were sick because there are folk all around you just like that. I, uh, I know that you read your Bible this week. I know you're tired. I know all that. You sing in the choir and all of that. But you know what? The question is, how much mercy did you show to sinners this week? See, you can be a five-star choir member and still not tell anybody about Jesus. You can be a deacon and not be a soul winner. You can be a pastor. And you can be intent on doing some wonderful things and just keeping yourself busy. But if you don't have time to show mercy to sinners, you've missed the whole point. The whole point. We're going to be beginning shortly in a ministry we've done before years ago called GROW, G-R-O-W. And it requires four captains We've got two of them already. Brother Wes Stewart was the first one. He said, I want to be a captain. Brother Steve Pepper, wherever you are up there, up there, he said, I want to be a captain. We need two more captains. And what it is is, is simply this. One hour out of every month, I'm going to ask every member that loves Jesus. If you don't love Jesus, don't come because people know you're fake. I'm going to ask every member that loves Jesus to meet down here one time on a Sunday afternoon at 5 o'clock with one of these four team members. And you say, well, I, I preach, I just don't go out. I just don't go out. Then maybe you could write a letter 
Well, my handwriting's not that good. Maybe you can type it on the computer. Well, I don't know how to type. Maybe you can use a phone call. Well, I don't, my hand, I don't know these new phones. I'll dial the blame number for you. I'm just telling you as a church, as a church whose task is to reach people for Jesus, if we can't spend one hour out of an entire month, we probably just need to shut down and go home. But I know we're going to do it. You're going to do it. I guarantee you're going to do it. It's possible to be a missions giver and not a missions goer. All of us are guilty, every one of us. Back in 1935, there was a mayor of uh, New York City. Actually, the airport, LaGuardia, is named for him. His name was Fiorella H. LaGuardia. He showed up one night at uh, night court in the poorest ward in the city. He told the judge that evening, you can go home. Take the evening off. Go to your family. And I'm going to be the one who takes over the bench tonight. And the case, one case involved an elderly woman. She was caught stealing, stealing bread. And uh, she was stealing bread to feed her grandchildren. LaGuardia said, uh, I got to punish you because you've done wrong. It's sin. It's wrong. And I'm going to fine you $10. $10 or 10 days in jail. Well, she didn't have $10. So he took $10 out of his pocket, put it in the hat, and said, I'm going to pay you fine. And as he spoke, he threw that $10 into the hat. And then he fined everybody in the courtroom 50 cents for living in a city where a person has to steal bread so her grandchildren could eat. The hat was passed around. The woman left the courtroom with an additional $47.50. That's mercy. Guys, we must show mercy. We must show mercy. Would you bow your head? Maybe you're here in this place this morning. You say, Brother Charles, I've never trusted Christ. I, I don't know. I don't have a relationship with him. And I want, I want to know more about it. Would you just slip up your hand wherever you are? I'm not going to come to you. I just want to pray for you. You say, I need to know Christ. Thank you. If you're here in this place this morning, you're saying, Brother Charles, I know the Lord. No doubt I know the Lord. But I'll be honest with you. I don't show a whole lot of mercy. And I want you to pray for me that God open the situations and I can show mercy. Would you just slip up your hand? Amen. Amen. Hands all over. Lord, as we come to this invitation time, we ask you, Lord Jesus, let your Holy Spirit guide us, direct us in this place today. God, that we might show mercy to lead people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God, forgive us for living in the light and enjoying the fellowship so much that we've become complacent and forgotten that there are many, many, many people living in darkness all around us that need the light.
And Lord, we want to be a church that reaches out to them. We want to be a people, individuals, that reaches out to Jesus. Reaches out through the power of the Holy Spirit and touches people. God, help it to be so. I pray today your will would be done. In Jesus' name. Many of you prayed, Lord, I want to be a witness. I want to show mercy. Did you mean it enough to where you'd actually get out of your seat, come down to this altar and stand here and pray, or kneel here and pray? Say, oh God, I want to show mercy. Would you show me? That's what he told the, the, the Pharisees. You go and learn what this means. Learn what it means that sick people are the ones who need the doctor. Not the righteous, but sick people. They're all around us. Let God have his way in your heart as Brother Aaron leads us this morning. Come on right now.